Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome to B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, it's been a it's been two weeks since we talked. And for those of you that listen to our show, yes, we are a weekly podcast. However, we are in a little bit of a season of going bi-weekly. So we have a lot to catch up on and a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, there's not going to be a lot of recapping this week because we got a lot of stuff happening right now. So Yeah, it's very active out there this moment. <laughs> yes, it is. So let's jump right into it. First of all, there is a severe weather outbreak in the central United States, portions of eastern Kansas, eastern Oklahoma, into Missouri, Arkansas. We'll get into that in a minute. But first, Bonnie, uh, out here in the Pacific Northwest, it's been active. We normally tape sometime usually... Late morning Pacific time, early afternoon Oklahoma time, but just as we were getting ready to tape today, we had a severe thunderstorm fire up in the county in which I live. So I was like, we're going to wait because I want to see what happens. So we had a severe thunderstorm form just to my south. Radar estimated wind gusts up to 70 miles an hour, and it weakened just as it got to me. Classic. I know that feeling well. It's very annoying. (laughs) It is very annoying. And then once the storm moved through, it was still pretty gusty. It brought in some rain. It was pretty awesome. However, right after it passed through me, it regenerated and went severe again. So that's just hilarious to me. Not going to lie. You know, I'm telling you, I feel your pain happens all the time out here to me, too. And it's, it's, you know, I think it's rigged. The system's rigged. (laughs) It, It very might. It very well might be rigged, but. The reason why we have the thunderstorms in the first place, and the Storm Prediction Center has the Oregon coast and Washington coast under a marginal risk for severe weather. We'll get into that in a minute. The city of Portland and most of the Willamette Valley is under just a general thunderstorm risk. But Bonnie, we Which have a- clearly look didn't matter because you got a severe thunderstorm out of that. So exactly. Even if it's a general thunderstorm outlook, you need to still pay attention a little bit. Right, and that still happen. And that is exactly why you and I say a lot that it doesn't matter what your risk level is, you can still get strong storms. Mm-hmm. So or that, where the line that transitions from exactly. marginal to slight or slight to enhanced, those lines don't matter. The storms don't care about those lines. Right. Exactly. And again, you can get the conspiracy theorists on Twitter. Oh, look, these thunderstorms are blowing toward the radar. Radar track storms. Don't even get me started. And we've talked about that on this show as well, but we will not go there today. Yeah. The radar is not like a wizard's wand. No, because the storm, because <laughs> if it is, every tornado would be around every single Doppler radar site and never go anywhere else. Exactly. So, so. that's a bunch of uneducated people talking out of not their mouth. Yes. That's a great way to put it. However, so the reason why we have these strong storms and thunderstorms is we have a bomb cyclone in the eastern Pacific. It is our second bomb cyclone in the last five days. First one 
formed. It was beautiful. It's that classic pinwheel, you know, uh, if you want to call it, gosh, cinnamon roll appearance on the satellite. Beautiful. Uh, formed out in the eastern Pacific. Put some showers and a little bit of breezy conditions into the Pacific Northwest. And then the storm, as it does, moved pretty much due north and dissipated in the Gulf of Alaska. And everybody's like, oh, bomb cyclone, you know. 24 millibar change in strengthening over a 24-hour period is the definition of a bomb cyclone. Bonnie, the one that we're dealing with today has done almost 48 millibars in 24 hours. Wow. That's like a bomb bomb. Yeah, so that's a double bomb. It's an explosive bomb. Uh, We had our Oregon AMS Winter Weather Forecast Conference yesterday, and one of our lead presenters was a forecast from the national weather service and she goes people are using the term bomb cyclone which is meteorologically the right you know term she goes however we have people calling our 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 national weather service office literally asking if it's an explosive device and what that means I just, I don't even know how to help people. I don't expect people to know all the, like, med- like medical, technical, meteorological terms. But, like, I don't know. It's like people don't use context clues or something, or they don't read the whole sentence. I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do to help people. <laughs> I don't either. And, again, I get it. And it's a term that, unfortunately, the media has picked up, has picked up on. And... You know, it's maybe maybe over overly glorified. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's a term that's been around for a very long time. And again, it gets picked up occasionally. And you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is what's going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. With that said, what we're looking at is a very impressive cyclone out in the eastern Pacific. Bonnie, the last official measurement that we got from NSEP is 942 millibars. That is a probably in relation strength-wise to a high-end Cat 3, maybe a low-end Cat 4 hurricane. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this could have hurricane strength gusts over 74 miles an hour. However, this is going to follow in a pretty close path to what the first bomb cyclone did this week, and it's going to stay out in the Pacific And it will weaken gradually. And by the time it makes landfall, either on the northern tip of Vancouver Island or back, or it will dissipate and it gets into extreme parts of northern British Columbia, it will have weakened down into like a 970, 980 millibar storm, which again is not a weak storm by any stretch of the imagination. So it's been very interesting to see the occluded front, which moved through and brought these thunderstorms today. And again, we're still looking at other storms forming. The national, you know, we talked about the storm prediction center has a marginal risk out for the Oregon and Washington coast for severe thunderstorms and the possibility of tornadoes. I mean, the dynamics are there low top supercells. You're getting a lot of shear. You get a lot of winds turning with height and all you need is a little bit of a, uplift and boom there you go we're off to the races yeah get you a little spin up which speaking of that when 
we talk about a bomb cyclone. A cyclone is not a tornado. So I just want everyone right. to know that that using the term cyclone for tornado is wrong. And a cyclone is not a tornado at all. So I feel like a lot of people don't know that. Exactly. And again, it's just, it's a mid-latitude cyclone, right? It's a, it's a typical storm that we see out in the ocean. Occasionally these things move through. This one just happened to strengthen extremely quickly. And when you get that type of dynamics, you can get heavy wind. You or not heavy wind, but a lot of wind. Um, you get heavy well, down. Heavy wind for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's hard to measure a parcel of air. Right, but I I hear it's heavy. You know, it's real heavy. <laughs> Is it true clouds are really heavy? I don't know. I mean, it's got to be. But it. Here's the thing. I had a discussion with us the other day with one of the tv meteorologists when you go through and you look at this okay obviously when you know a parcel of air has a weight to it obviously right yeah but with that said how in the world are you you know how can you measure a cloud because it's it's water vapor Uh, it's got to be some kind of like like they know that a cubic inch with such and such amount of water vapor equates to this weight. And so then they just kind of like multiply it over the volume of a cloud and estimate, you know what I mean? Like it's gotta be something like that maybe, but I've like read things where clouds are super, super heavy and I'm just like, it makes sense, but also I think we all think of clouds as like cotton balls. And so we're like, right. how is it that heavy? <laughs> right. Now, you know what I mean? So sure. it's weird. <laughs> okay. Well, just doing a quick Google search because that's what we do here. Yeah. How much does a cloud weigh? One cubic kilometer of a cloud contains one billion cubic meters. That's a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Doing the math, one billion times 0. 0.05 equals 500 million grams of water droplets in our cloud. That's roughly uh, 500,000 kilograms or 1.1 million pounds, about 551 tons. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. But the other thing is we have to remember the clouds are going from, you know, they're going way up, you know, 20, 30,000 feet. Right. So they're up, there's a, a lot. There's a lot of volume there. So it just, it makes sense, but it's also like, you know, mind blown. Sure, and again, one cubic kilometer of a cloud contains one billion cubic meters. That's a very large parcel of air, right? So doing the math just on one cubic kilometer equals 1.1 million pounds. So again, that's a huge parcel of air. Now, what is your average cumulonimbus cloud weigh? I don't know. I mean, obviously, you can do the math and try to figure out the uh, the cubic volume of it. But, man, I'm just, I'm sitting here, I'm just like, this is just, it's intense. Which, this is where calculus comes in, because that's all that we did was calculate the area and volume of curved areas. Oh, boy. And, and it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Okay? It's terrible. It's awful. But that's. This is why calculus comes in handy because clouds are not perfect, nice, right? You know, cubes. So, you know, and of course, this isn't exact. All these this, this measurement that you you're talking about, 
it's just an estimate. But it, right. you know, when you get to that kind of weight, what, who cares if you're off by a thousand pounds or something, regardless, it's heavy. Bottom line, it's really heavy. Exactly. You know what I mean? So no, you, and you're totally right. And again, we talk about with severe weather updrafts, right? Air moving up. Your a cloud is having to sustain hailstones. Say they are quarter size or baseball or soft by softball size hailstones. Those things weigh a lot. Yeah. And in order, and again, we talk about this for the updraft to be that strong to be able to support that much weight. Again, that's all measured within the context of the cloud, but you know that's that's a lot of weight that's having to fall from top to bottom eventually. Yeah, exactly, and and that hail is just so fascinating to me, and that's why we right. always talk about the size of the hail really gives you a good indication of how strong the storm is, because yep. obviously the bigger it is, the stronger it is, and hail is like a visual representation of that, and so it's just it's all fascinating. But this just goes to show you there's so much math and so many things that go into why storms do what they do, and not even just storms, but just clouds, yep. just all the weather it does what it does because of all these different things that have to come into play all at the same time. So it really annoys me when people try to act like they know what's going on when they have no idea. They really don't. And again, um, and I'm, I'm saying this with all due respect. I don't think a lot of meteorologists do as well. It's think, a, it's an ever changing thing. We're yep. always learning new things. It's very true. It is very true. That's how science works. Everybody, all science works like that. Right. So, so we talked about, you know, storms on the coast, and obviously with a bomb cyclone, the wind field is going to be expanding mostly to the south. And again, behind the included front and with a cold front, anytime you have the, you know, the two divisions of, of an air mass, you're going to have the wind. First storm report to come in, non-thunderstorm gust, 60 miles an hour at Newport along the southern Oregon coast. So that's pretty, you know, pretty that, good. that's pretty good. It's a good blow, no pun mm-hmm. intended, but... For what we're seeing and what's going on to happen today, it's just, it's just starting. So, yeah. oh yeah, it's just starting everywhere across the whole country. Yep, it and is. It's going to be an active week. It's going to be a very active week. So we're looking at the bomb cyclone again. Marginal risk for severe weather on the Oregon coast and the Washington coast. Uh, a lot of people are out chasing right now. The Washington State Storm Chasers. Yes, we. By the way, we have chasers on the west coast. It's a terrible place to chase because it's not flat by any stretch of the imagination. The only benefit to that is you can occasionally get high vistas where you can look and see down into valleys, which is great. Because then you're up a little bit, so it's kind of an elevated view, so you're closer to the bottom of the cloud, so it looks cooler, but that's just my two cents. So a lot of the chasers are out today. Um, You pull up the storm spotters on Radar Scope or Allison House, and you can see how many are out on the coast. It's it's actually really kind of cool to see. Hey, it's because not a lot like this happens often out there. So once it does, everyone's like, yes, activate. You know what I mean? Yeah, it to- 100%. That's how I would be. 100%. <laughs> so we'll continue to watch these storms rotate in today. Uh, it would not surprise me to see a tornado warning or two on some discrete cells pop up this afternoon and into the late afternoon, early evening. So that's what we have going on, on the West Coast. Bonnie, back in the Central Plains, though, it is a brand new ball game and... Uh, what appears to be a severe weather outbreak. Yeah. Yep. Um, pretty much the whole state of Missouri is 
under the gun. I think they're in a tornado watch right now. Um, nothing's happening in Oklahoma, except it has been really windy the last two days, which I just am assuming has to do with, you know, what's going on in Missouri right now. But, yeah, they've got the tornado watch, and there's been several tornado warnings already this afternoon. So I think that it's it's just beginning. Right. Storm Prediction Center about an hour ago released said, here's the 19Z hand-drawn surface analysis, which I think is awesome, by the way. Yeah, I love those. It is fantastic. Um, right I've now, done a few in my lifetime in classes before. They're fun. They are fun. And, I mean, it's like it's arts and crafts time here in meteorology. Yeah, you get to bust out your color pencils. Absolutely. It's fantastic. I'd rather do that love than it. do it on the computer, but that's just me. It's, it's so good because, like, when you get to do it, you – it really helps you get a better picture of it because you're actually doing it right. and looking at it and and absorbing it while you're doing it. It's fun and you get to color. <laughs> right. One of my uh, one of my good friends is taking a science class and he took a class on severe weather and so they're having him having to draw hand surface maps. And he's like, I don't get it. I don't understand how you connect all these equal points of pressure. And I will say this: the professor in the class kind of did them a disservice and put in about 70 actual plots on this map. And there's a lot of information. And when you're trying to figure out contour lines and, you know, where to start, where to finish, it it can get very daunting. So I'm literally doing a Zoom meeting trying to draw on a map with a mouse. And it was not easy. <laughs> so. Well, and it, and. It's, it's hard sometimes for your brain to, like, connect those dots because they're not straight. They do weird curves and weird yep. things. And so your brain, you're like, your brain is like, no, this should be a very smooth, straight, like, curve or straight right. line or something smooth. And it's not like that. So your brain, you're kind of fighting your brain a little bit on that. But once you get it all drawn and colored in, it looks. It makes sense, and it looks right. It's, right. it's just kind of getting there takes a little bit of work. Right. So very interesting to say the least. Right now, enhanced risk over a majority of the state of Missouri, as we talked about, extreme eastern Oklahoma, most of northern Arkansas, parts of southwestern Illinois is the enhanced. Obviously, your marginal risk will expand out, and then your general thunderstorm risk encompasses a, a bunch of states but bonnie you talked about a few minutes ago we have a tornado watch that is now up for portions of eastern oklahoma where nothing's happening by the way so wait for that oh, they put it they moved it into oklahoma they did yeah so it's okay. includes like McAllister, oklahoma um i want to say that you know almost the two-thirds of the eastern state are in it um so the watch is up the watch box is also up it expands into portions of missouri as well but so that tornado watch is up uh, NWS Tulsa, Shreveport, and Little Rock are the three uh, offices that are currently handling this. So that is the latest update from the SPC. But um, probability of two tornadoes, high, over 50% possibility or probability of one or more strong tornadoes, an EF2 to an EF5, moderate 20%. High uh, probability of 10 or more wind events and a moderate chance of 10 or more severe hail events. So, uh, it's active today, and stuff's popping. Nothing yet really tornadic, but that's going to change very soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, what, like 4 o'clock now? Yes. Central time, so there's still plenty of time for 
you know, things to happen. And at this time of year, when the sun goes down, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, the ingredients and the way things come together in the fall are different than what needs to happen in the spring to get tornadoes, as we've seen in Oklahoma. Like all of our tornadoes this month have been um, after dark for the most part. There's probably been a couple, but right. most of them have been after dark. So, and early in the morning, like 5 a.m. So, I mean, it's this is the most active October we've had in a really long time as a country, as for Oklahoma too, but as a sure. country, this has just been a crazy, crazy October. So I love it. I'm living for it. And side note, not to get sidetracked, I saw that there's possibility of snow in Oklahoma in the first week of November. Up in the Panhandle? And, and a little bit, almost all the way into central Oklahoma. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> but that's like two, two and a half weeks away. So I'm trying to not think about it. But, you know, of course, somebody saw it and had to post it. And so, yeah, so. That's what we're doing. That's what we're looking forward to is a little bit of snow. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I talked about no tornado warnings. I take that back. There is one right now. Radar indicated tornado on a supercell near Breckenridge, Missouri. Uh, it's on a line. Breckenridge. Yeah, it's on a line that extends from Bramer uh, up to Gallatin and to Trenton. And if you are familiar with ge the geography of Missouri, uh, think of St. Joseph, which is in the northern part of the state, and move east about, let me put my tracker on this, because I have that, uh, about 50 miles to the east of St. Joseph, or if you're in Kansas City, it's about 55 miles to your northeast. So uh, there is two lines that are going through right now. The first one that does extend all the way back down into portions of Tulsa, a second line off to the east. Uh, just coming through Springfield now, which extends all the way up into Columbia and then into portions of uh, extreme western Illinois, uh, about 55 miles, 60 miles west of Springfield. So uh, it's going to be epic. It's going to be active. And like we said, it's just starting. So yeah, everything's lining up to have a, a big day today. So let's make it happen. Yeah, and really all of Missouri needs to be you know, on their feet and on their toes right now, paying attention. Um, one thing to keep in mind, any storms that form behind the front, you don't have to worry about. Right. It's the ones out ahead of it that are the scary ones and the ones that are going to be capable of hail, tornadoes, that kind of thing. So, well, let's, let's jump. Side note. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into some meteorology 101. Why is it that we don't necessarily need to worry about the storms behind the front? Uh, it's because of the cold air. It kind of cuts off updrafts and things like that and um, makes it harder for storms to do what they need to do to form tornadoes. Now, they can still be strong and even severe and have wind and some hail, but the tornado threat really goes away um, because of that cooler air. Right. You don't, have the you don't have the warm air. You don't have the upslope effect, or not upslope effect, but uplifting effect. Um as the dry line is pushing that air forward, right? Either it's moving north or east, any direction really. It's anywhere that you have air that's being forced somewhere. It's not necessarily wanting to go is where you really get the big the big issues. And so that's why we say out ahead of the cold front, again, you're in warm air. That warm air wants to rise. And you might get some cold air up over top of it. And once you get those two ingredients 
that can cause these storms to start to rotate. So that's what we're looking at now. Again, once the cold front moves through, the threat diminishes for tornadic thunderstorms. You still will have general thunderstorms, as you said. Lots of lightning, lots of wind, lots of thunder. But definitely not as nasty as it could be. Right, exactly. So um, so that's always the good news with things like that. But um, it's just kind of waiting for that to happen and keeping an eye on everything out ahead of it. So that's that's the name of the game with stuff like this. Right. Now, you guys are going to get back in the action maybe later this week, right? Yes, Tuesday night potentially, which like I said, that's how all of our severe weather has been this whole month has been late night, overnight into the next morning. And so that's what we're looking at is this Tuesday evening overnight. It keeps changing though on the forecast. It talks thunderstorms and then it says, oh, rain. And then it says thunderstorms and then it says, mm, rain. So I really don't know what's going to happen right now, but hopefully something. <laughs> well, we're looking at, you know, a very, very active second chase season. And we talk about that every year once we get into spring is our official, you know, first chase season, second chase season is once we make the transition from summer into fall and then kind of into winter. But Bonnie, you guys have had an extremely active second chase season and that's historic. Yeah. Yeah, we broke the 19, I can't remember if it's 97 or 98, but that was when the last record for October tornadoes in Oklahoma was set and it was 27 and we're sitting at 28 right now. So um, we very well could exceed that a little bit more in the, this last week of October. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, we've set the new record for tornadoes in October in Oklahoma. So pretty exciting. That is pretty awesome. Now, do you guys get a lot of stuff, you know, this outside of this realm, obviously, cause you know, it is historic. You've had more tornadoes. Are there any issues or any differences between the spring chase season and this chase season when just in terms of like dynamics or what, what's it look like? I mean, the main thing is that a lot of stuff happens overnight um, and we get a lot more early morning type of um, severe weather, not just tornadoes, but, um, and I'll be completely honest, I'm not a hundred percent sure what slight change in the dynamics causes that. But in the spring, when the sun goes down, for the most part, the severe weather threat goes down with the sun. But in the winter, or well, in October, whatever you want to call October, the fallish winter month of October, the sun going down really doesn't necessarily matter. Um, And that's what we've seen this whole entire month. Um, I think it was two weeks ago, I woke up, on a Wednesday morning at about 5.15 and 15 miles, maybe less to my north, there was a tornado warning going through downtown Oklahoma City. Um, and that was 5.15 in the morning. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So that's really crazy. And it was it was tornadic for a while. Um, it stayed that way. And there was a little damage. There was a little power outages. And I'll say that, that most of these tornadoes um, have been EF1 or EF0s. And there was actually a good handful that were uh, just unrated because they were just not sure based on damage and everything like that. So right. um, it's not like it's EF5 going through at five o'clock in the morning. Um, but still, though, even if it only hits one house and blows out windows and, you know, damages their car, that's somebody's life that was impacted 
by that one little tornado. So um, still something to keep an eye on. And a lot of times these storms are actually um, in the line, in a line of storms. And that's when these little spin-ups have been happening a lot. And not very many of them have been discrete supercells, which is also interesting. Right. Well, coming up this week, I believe it's the National Weather Festival, right? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the National Weather... I think it's still virtual, though, isn't it? It is virtual. So part of that is uh, tied into that NWS Norman is offering their storm spotter training classes. They have the basic entry-level training on Tuesday, the 26th. More information about this is available at NWS Norman on Twitter, um, and then also their website, weather.gov slash O-U-N. And then they do their advanced training on Thursday, 6.30 Central Time. Again, all that information is available on uh, their webpage and on Twitter. But uh, if you get a chance, you got to register, but it's well, well worth it. Oh, yeah. So. so interesting. I've taken the courses a couple times, and they offer them, you know, several times throughout each year and everything. And it's just super interesting, even if you're not trying to be a spotter, to call in things that you see, it'll still help you understand what you're hearing on TV during severe weather. And it'll help you be able to pick out features if you're outside at a baseball game or something and storms are starting to form. So um, super educational. So I would definitely recommend it. Yep. And again, Not very long. Right. It's Not two. Long. It's a two hour course and you got to register for it. But like you said, it's well worth it. Um, I'm yeah. bummed because I'll be working again and I can't take it, which drives me nuts, but Oh, well. Well, yeah. quit your job. No, yeah, just kidding. <laughs> right? Well, I wouldn't necessarily be working that time anyways, but uh, I'm getting ready to launch a brand new Amazon Sort Center in North Portland, and I'm having to work a weird schedule. So, unfortunately, I will not be uh, I will not be doing that, which kind of sucks, but oh, well. It'll come through again. Right. They'll have another class. So, looking at... Uh, some wind measurements, they're now just starting to get uh, posted from today's squall line. Uh, 42, downtown Portland on the Fremont Bridge, 44 miles an hour at PDX. Uh, 36 miles an hour in Hillsborough, 50 miles an hour out at Corbett, 53 at Salem. Uh, 24,000 people without power at the moment, which for all things Whoa. considered is not a whole lot, which is pretty good. I'll take it. That's a lot. 24,000 or 2,400? 24,000. That's a lot. It is. You know, 44% of the of the viewing area, you could say. So that's pretty Hopefully awesome. Hopefully they get that turned back on, though, pretty quickly. I would think they would. Oh, they usually do PGE. So we have PGE, not PGNE. <laughs> Pacific gas. We have OG and E. Yes, you have. Yeah, e, exactly. You're the old gangsters of energy. That's right. <laughs> so. And they're quick. And they, they get power turned back on after thunderstorms pretty quick. And they also um, travel a lot, especially when there's hurricanes down along the Gulf. OG and right. E sends people down there all the time. It's nice. Yeah, you guys are you guys are part of the co-op that sends people. And I know the people from Oklahoma City have come here to the Pacific Northwest when we've had ice storms and wind storms. But yeah, uh, current number as of five minutes ago, 231 active outages affecting a total of 23,537 customers. So it doesn't look like anybody in my immediate neighborhood has, oh, there's one. 
There's one person without power just down the street from me. Should be on by 4 o'clock. But not a whole lot. I mean, there's some neighborhoods that have, uh, let's see here. They sometimes will tell you what's going on. Everything's under investigation. So 4,000 customers just to my northwest are out. So chances are probably a blown transformer. That's probably what it is. So there we go. Quick entry line of storms. Hey, you know, you guys are getting some action. So I'm really glad that you're you're getting in on it. Um, I do want to point out that during October of last year, this is not at all what was happening anywhere. And we were in the middle of one of the worst ice storms we've ever had. Not at this time. It was more at the beginning of the month. But I'm just saying, like, we have still been in the 70s and 80s throughout this whole month. And this time last year, we were well below freezing with power lines and trees falling down and blah, blah, blah. So it's just very interesting, the things that can happen in the month of October in Oklahoma. We can do the extreme either direction. (laughs) Which is true. Again, we were looking at the first snowfall up in the Cascades earlier this week. Um, So, yeah. I mean, the transition is great. We have our second tornado warning up now, uh, headed towards Spickard or Spikard, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, just to the east of Gilman City, also coming toward Tyndall. And then that storm we talked about earlier has regenerated from Breckenridge and is now headed off toward Lock Springs and Chula. So uh, we now have a second tornado warning on that first line. Tony, Missouri is getting it. So I hope everybody's paying attention and has right. their weather radios on and their storm alerts on their phone on. And I mean, it's a Sunday afternoon, you know. People, I don't know. I don't know what people are doing, but out at friends' houses, grandma's house, whatever. So hopefully everybody's kind of keeping an eye on things. Right. I'm sending you a photo right now, just on text. Because if you pull open radar scope and you pull up in the Kansas City radar, you can see where the actual low is moving through the plains. Nice. It is. We had a little little boundary come through us today. I, and but it didn't do anything. I mean, I guess it maybe picked up the wind, but I'm not really sure what it was. But you right. could clearly see the line on radar, but no rain or anything. There right. were some clouds, so I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know if it was a cold front or what it was. But yeah, I just sent it to you, so you'll have it. Sweet. Yes, but it's always fun when you see a low on radar or satellite, or when a hurricane comes in, you can actually get the eye of the hurricane on radar. Pretty impressive, not going to lie. Yes. Well, speaking of hurricanes, I said we wouldn't make it to the end of the alphabet. Right. And I just don't think that we are, unless something major happens. Which, where are we? At T? Is that where we're at? Yes, we are. So let's talk about the tropics, because we have avoided that topic of the tropics pretty well. But, yes, let's jump into it, because currently there's nothing at all out in the Atlantic, and I just find that to be hilarious, and that's what it is. We went through, and again, I'm going to, I don't want to nitpick because I'm just trying to nitpick because that's not me, but why did we name a subtropical storm? Um, Out of boredom? No. I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so we are at Tropical Storm Victor. That was sure. the last storm. He named Subtropical Storm Teresa. Oh, boy. So, 
for this so year. We have Victor, or we don't have Victor yet. We we, we have had Victor. Victor has come and gone. Okay. So we have Wanda so left. Have just one. Oh, just, just one. Wanda. So we might not make it, but that's fine. We have a whole week. We do have a whole week. However, we talk about storms that are intensifying quickly. Hurricane Rick. What a name. What a name. Okay. Hurricane Rick is scheduled to strengthen and it is undergoing a strengthening process today. And it is sitting now at 85 miles an hour. It is moving off to the north, northwest, will impact the coast of Mexico, and will eventually die out by Tuesday. Now, I swear this morning, I need to go back and look at the archive that they were forecasting it to be a major hurricane, but... Uh, where is it here? I want to look what happened? Because I thought the Pacific was way ahead of us for a while, and now uh, we're way ahead of okay, them. Okay, they did. All right. So, Hurricane Rick was just out there meandering, doing his own thing. And it's hurricane. It was forecast to become a major hurricane. Never really achieved that. Feel bad Rick was an underachieving hurricane. So, <laughs> but I want to say this morning when I woke up and looked at it, it was supposed to be a major hurricane, but uh, I could have read that wrong. I could have read that wrong. Would not be the first time I'm wrong about that. But Hurricane Rick will move into the Mexican coastline later tomorrow and uh, will dissipate. There's nothing happening in the Central Pacific. So, Bonnie, with the exception of Rick, it's a very, very quiet tropics. Well, the tropics stepped aside so that the continental U.S. could get some severe weather because that's been the story this whole month. So. It happens, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. I like it. I'd rather. See, I think Alabama's under the gun tomorrow, right? Yes, they are. So SP. And we are on Tuesday. Yeah, let's go look and see what the SPC latest guideline is. All right. Yep. So we already had tornado reports and a hail report coming in. All right, convective outlooks. So today, uh, outlook for tomorrow. Uh, actually Alabama is in it, but they're just in a general thunderstorm risk. The slight and marginal are most of the Eastern seaboard back into portions of Pennsylvania. I have a cold. I cannot kick. It's driving me nuts. Hey, it's the season's changing, you know, and it it's is. all weird. So, Our allergies have been awful over here too. Right. So Pennsylvania portions of Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, and South Carolina in the marginal and then the slight is portions of South Carolina, eastern portions and central portions of Virginia, West Virginia, and North Carolina, and extreme eastern Tennessee. So that's day two. Day three, uh, you guys are under the gun back into it. Uh, so slight risk from pretty much central Texas through central Oklahoma, Texas, or Kansas, and then into uh, extreme southern Nebraska. Now, if you were to follow the account on Twitter, Weather Peens, this might be a uh, a good uh, a good screenshot to submit. Just saying. I just that account kills me. I love it. It is amazing. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Hasn't updated for a while though. Well, 
Maybe they're busy. <laughs> or maybe they got banned. I don't know. Oh, that would be so sad. I would hope not. Because I'm yeah, because they don't old. say anything. They don't say anything inappropriate. There's, there's nothing it's just wrong understood. With it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There is a difference. They're just saying, hey, here's a picture. Take from it what you want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's go see what it, well, I'm going to just see if it's updated. I help if I typed in the wrong word, right? I don't even remember how to spell teens. All right. W-E-A-T-H-E-R-P-E-N-S. Oh, yes. It's been updated, and it's amazing. Oh, my Lord. Oh, good. Okay. I'm going to go check it out when we're done recording. <laughs> oh, you will, you will love what they just posted earlier this month. Good old weather peens. Oh, yeah. Keeping us entertained. Oh, very much so. Very much so. All right. Another fantastic edition of B-Squared, your semi-weekly podcast, weather podcast. Bonnie, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see what happens once we get into the middle of the week for you guys. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, if it does get rocking and rolling again, I might go out storm chasing this afternoon into the evening. So we will see. Good. Yeah. I think that you should. And since we're taping every two weeks, we might be talking snow chances in a couple weeks or at least snow probabilities. So we might be swinging right from severe weather right into snow. So we'll just, we'll just see. Let's Everybody do stay it. tuned. I am so ready. I am so, so ready. Bring on the snow. Let's do it. All right. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys very soon. Bye.